Good evening, Bitcoiners. Am I working? It appears that I am. I had a bit of a problem before the show and had to reboot everything. So uh, do put something in the chat if you can't see or hear me. Uh, that'll be really useful. Today's the 19th of July, 2021. And I've got to tell you, people, it is damn hot here in the UK. It is in the mid 80s and we've got no air conditioning here. I'm in my tiny office uh, with some fans on and it's flipping well roasting. I'm not going to complain about the heat, but it is damn well hot in here. So if I'm drinking some water, please, please, please uh, forgive me. Um, so very, very quickly, if I can, let's just get the preliminaries out of the way and we'll get into the show. Um, disclaimer, listen, you've got to do your own research, people. You can lose your money in cryptocurrency. I'm not saying you're going to, but you can. So don't take anything I say as financial advice. That's so important. If you're new to this show, do your research. Only a buy what you can afford to lose. Don't load any credit cards or take out loans to do this because you will get wrecked, I'm telling you, because Bitcoin is extremely uh, volatile. If you're new to the channel, again, check out my work, ukbitcoinmaster.com. That is where you'll find all the videos I've done to date. And bitcoininterviews.com, where you'll find all the interviews that I've done, I've done, I'm sorry, including the interviews that I've been on. And if you didn't see Saturday's interview with Crusher Street, um, you should go and watch it because I really enjoyed doing that. And Adam Meister, he's in the chat as proud Zionist you. Uh, thank you again for reaching out to them and getting them to reach out to me. I really enjoyed doing that. So uh, that is in bitcoininterviews.com right now. So do check that out. Uh, I really enjoyed doing it. And for those that want to drop a lightning tip, tipping.me at UK Bitcoin Master. There's a QR code there. If you want to send a few Satoshis, you can. I don't expect it. Um, I don't do this show for that type of thing, but people have reached out and said, I'd like to drop you a tip. How can I do so? And there you go. That's how you can do so. Okay. Please retweet this if you're on Twitter. Really important that we get this out there. Um, like this video, share it, whatever you do, subscribe to the channel if you're new, then hit the bell symbol and then click all and you'll be notified when I go live twice a week, every Monday and every Thursday at 6pm London time. So let's get over to the chat and let's uh, have a shout out to a few of the regulars that are in the house. Firstly, before I say that, those of you that are on the 21 Million Club meetup on Saturday, didn't we have a blast? Uh, two hours or so, we had a great uh, blast getting to know each other, talking Bitcoin. I absolutely loved it. So if you were on the 21 Million Club, way to go, dudes. That's where you should be, talking Bitcoin. Uh, Yorkie Bitcoiner, I uh, don't know whether he's going to be in the house or watching on Catch Up, busy chap. Bitcoin to the moon down in Australia, always uh, retweet. So thank you. Proud Zionist Jew is with us. Casso is in the house. Elaine, my lovely wife, is with us. Michael Lillian Feld, welcome to you. Lance Hoddle, Michael Weber from the south coast of the UK. Graham Poole is with us. Great to have you with us, Graham. Uh, Vinny Rondo, welcome to uh, welcome New York. Sorry, <laughs> put your teeth back in, Brian. Marty3623, great to have you in the house with us as well. Marty, you've put a sentence there. Copy and paste it and start it off with UK Bitcoin Master. Otherwise, I, I can't read it. There's too much going on. Um, I apologize to you all uh, for when I did my interview with Lord Fusatua. Um, my chat disappeared. I couldn't find it. I was totally freaking out, but I just had to go without the chat. So it is what it is. Um, Matthew Underhill, 
great to have you in the house. Yep, you were on the 21 Meteor Up Club, um, 21 Million Club Meetup. Great to have you in the house with us as well, Matthew. Okay, so that's all the preliminaries out of the way. If you join us after this and you want to shout out, type in UK Bitcoin Master and I will gladly give you a shout out. Okay, I am going to try something different today. Let me tell you where I'm at. <clears throat> I always go in search of articles that other people do. Uh, then I find some tweets and, you know, it's great. And people seem to get some kind of value from it. I try to find articles that are not always mainstream. But I just felt that you're just listening to me all the time. So I'm going to try something different. And please, after the show's over, put something in the comments if you didn't like it, if you thought it was okay. But what I want to do is this. I have built my strong Bitcoin hand, that mega strong hand, because of people that I follow. And when something's going on, I go and follow them. I want to know what's going on you know, that type of thing. And therefore, there's certain people that I follow to get my strong hand. And whilst you're following me, I also want to help you within my shows to follow the, the correct people as well outside of my show. So we're going to I'm going to run a couple of short videos and then talk about them um, because I found them extremely bullish. And then you can tell me what you think about them. Now, before we do that, let me get on over to the desktop. And I'm worried to death I'm going to hit the wrong button here. Took me all day yesterday getting all this thing set up. The first thing we need to look at is the price, 30700 Now, I don't know whether this is true or not. I haven't substantiated it, but I have read a couple of... Um, commentators talking about 50% correction incoming. Are you prepared? I can't substantiate that. I don't know whether it's going to happen. But what I would say to you all is, even if it dropped 50%, we are still 3x up on our original investment. That is why I say never Never invest what you can't afford to lose because Bitcoin is so volatile. If it did drop 50% to 15,000, let me tell you right now, I would be buying every Satoshi that I possibly could because I know, and some of these video clips I'm going to run for you also back up and substantiate what I'm saying. And that's why I've run them because I keep using this and we should hashtag this out. Price is a liar. Because if you are looking at the Bitcoin price, you're doing this thing all wrong, as a couple of my videos will show you in a minute. But before we get started, and I don't think he's in the chat, number one, I want to give a shout out to Barefoot Barry uh, down in New Zealand. Um, it was his birthday the other day. And because of his birthday, his granddaughter did a little video for him. And I thought it was absolutely superb. And I want to run that video for you now, as long as it doesn't let me down. It's only 30 seconds. But this young lady, she knows what it's all about. Because Barry said to me, she did it in one take. She didn't need guidance from him on what to say. He just held the phone and she went with it. So have a listen to this if it runs okay. Hold on. Okay, here we go. These are some of my toys. But this is my Bitcoin. You are my Bitcoin. My only Bitcoin. 
Absolutely superb. Let me just get the other one lined up ready. But I thought that was absolutely superb. So I just wanted to run that and say happy birthday, Barry, down in New Zealand. I've made some really terrific friends since I've been in Bitcoin and Barry is one of them for sure. So let's get into this. I keep talking about um, price is a liar. OK, and we can all look at the price and think it's all over and it's all done. I want to run you a really short clip from BTC Sessions. It was one of the live streams he did, I think about a week ago, and he highlights the difference between Bitcoin and fiat currency. And he's specifically talking about dollars. Now, I know I'm in the UK. Uh, people are in Europe. But this is obviously the US dollar, but it's the same across the world. So let me get back over and let's run this one and let's have a look at what BTC Benny is saying. See, the thing is that I would say that uh, fiat currency, it it distracts you from the long term. They bank on you not having long term thinking or also known as low time preference, where if it's just a few percent here or there, then maybe you might not notice that you're getting screwed. You may not fully understand why things are seeing a little, seeming a little bit difficult, more difficult month to month, year to year. Um, and it forces you to have short term thinking. You always got to be ready. Well, I got to put my money somewhere. I got to spend it quickly because if I save it, it's, that's not going to do me any good. I can't get a, a good return on my savings account. I got to speculate on stocks. I got to, or I'm just, I'm just going to go be a consumer. I'm going to just consume as much as possible because why bother? Um, but when you do zoom out, you see, and this is from, um, 1933 uh, executive order 6102 that's when they confiscated all gold from uh, us citizens and and replaced them with dollars and said hey uh, every 20 dollars that you have um or sorry every ounce of gold that you have we'll give you 20 us dollars for and then uh, a year later they they basically said well now we're repricing gold and it's worth 35 dollars per ounce so basically all of those dollars that they gave people in exchange for their gold were pretty much sliced in half in terms of purchasing power and so you can see here from 1933 when that initially happened you see that uh drop off and this is kind of like your purchasing power over time per us dollar and this isn't this is just zoomed in on on since 1933 the purchasing power of a single us dollar was even higher before this uh so let's compare that to the the lifespan of bitcoin quite a different chart this is the weekly chart since you could get good exchange data so it goes back about a decade and this is also a log chart meaning that uh each interval here on the right hand side goes up exponentially so you know as an example it goes from a dollar 30 to 220 to 360 to six dollars and then as you're getting up towards the top of the chart it goes from 900 bucks to 15 to 2400 to 4,600, 11k 18k so the intervals get you know more and more dollars more and more dollar jumps in between them right i want to stop it there because um I don't know if any of you have heard this, but there's there's, you know, somebody asked me once if you put a penny in a piggy bank and doubled it every day, how much you would you have at the end of 30 days? And at the time I had absolutely no clue. And it turns out it was five million pounds. And if you went to day 31, it jumped past 10 million. And what Ben is saying here is these increments, they're doubling. So you got $1, 2, 4, 8, 16, 32, 64. Then you're up to 2,600 and 3,200 and 6,400. So, you know, the increments get 
bigger and bigger and bigger. So don't be fooled by the chart looking like it's starting to taper off towards being level. The increments that it jumps are absolutely monstrous. Let me continue. But yes, it's volatile as hell. But Bitcoin, again, is focused on you having low time preference of you zooming out and seeing the bigger picture. And when you zoom out and you see the bigger picture, you see dollar go down, number go down, and you see Bitcoin go up, number go up. Um, and I think this trend will continue. Is it volatile as hell? Absolutely. It was 64K a few months ago, and it's like 31K right now. But look at what we're looking at here. This is a decade. This is a decade of price data. Bubbles don't inflate and then pop and then inflate again and then pop and then inflate again. One, two. And this is just like in the first, you know, in the last decade. So one, two, three, four. Could that count? Maybe five, six, seven, eight. Again, bubbles don't inflate and then pop and reinflate. They have a blow off top and then they disappear because the scam stops working. So what he's saying there is. Ponzi schemes, pump and dumps, you get a bubble, then it bursts and it's all over, it's done. So Bitcoin can't be a bubble because it keeps going up and then correcting, settling, then going up again, correcting, settling, then going up again. And that's the point I've been trying to make. You know, people keep saying this is a bubble. Well, if it's going to burst, how come it hasn't gone to zero? These are not bubbles. This is just price discovery over such a short period of time, people, just a 10 or 11 year uh, Bitcoin history. This is increased adoption. This is this is a world onboarding into a new form of money over time. And this is just the first decade and a small single digit percentage of people piling in. And that single digit percentage still is just dabbling. I think people are greatly underestimating um, the change that this could bring to the world in another decade, in another two decades. And I think a couple decades out, it may be difficult and almost ridiculous to think of having monetary policy that hinges on a few in a, cl a closed room and that trying to make economic decisions based on the vernacular of somebody holding a press conference will seem like reading the tea leaves versus a well, easily definable, open source, auditable by anybody plan for issuance that cannot be altered by anyone. You see, what I'm trying to do there is... I know this stuff in my head, but I, I tell people all the time, and I talked about this on Crush the Street on, on the interview on Saturday, and that is I've got it in here because I listen to so many podcasts, but sometimes I can't articulate it so well out of here. So my theory behind doing this is show these video clips and then talk about them, and pretty well BTC Sessions there has just explained to you all what I try to explain week after week after week, but far more eloquently. And if you're not following BTC Sessions, you've got to be following him. This guy, I've watched him grow over the last four years into a monster YouTuber. He's got incredible following. He has some of the best guests in the space on his show. And I cannot stress enough that you really need to be following BTC Sessions. So we move on to the next clip. Now, this is Ben again, but it's not Ben talking this time. He had his Friday night, Why Are We Bullish? And he had some cracking guests on there, Marty Bent, uh, Jeff Booth. If you haven't read the book, The Price of Tomorrow, if you are a genuine Bitcoiner, I'm telling you, you've you got to read that book. You must read it or get the audiobook or whatever you need to do. And I love when uh, Sessions asked Jeff why he's so bullish. 
and I want to run this clip and listen to what Jeff Booth has to say about the asymmetric bet that is Bitcoin. And what, what if you don't know what it is, what is an asymmetric bet? It is basically flipping a coin. And if you get heads, you win hands down. And if you get tails, you lose a tiny bit. So you're pretty well... I'm not saying guaranteed that the, you're going to win. The upside is absolutely astronomical. And that's what an asymmetric bet is. So let's have to listen to Jeff Booth and see what he's got to say. Uh, we're going to toss it over to Jeff for our final reason for being bullish. Jeff, what are you excited about this week? I don't know if it's specifically this week. I think a lot of this uh, is, is hard. Probably, if I have to say one thing, the thesis is stronger today on Bitcoin than it's ever been. You can see what's what's happening. It's getting stronger and stronger. Yet the price isn't. The users are. The price isn't. And when I think about something like that, um, I think about on a, any asymmetric bet, almost unlimited upside. For there to be that asymmetric bet, there have to be a huge amount of the audience that don't understand it. Well, I want to stop that there. There has to be a huge um, amount of the audience that don't understand it, don't get it, won't ever understand it, won't ever get it, and can't be asked. Okay, that is the asymmetric bet that we Bitcoiners have got right now by being involved in Bitcoin and in that rabbit hole. So that blows my mind. It has to, it's required. Um, and I think that's what you have in, um, so in, in Bitcoin today. So many people misunderstand it because of that. The other thing it could signal is we are either all wrong <laughs> or, or it is the best asymmetric bet of our lifetime. Um, and, and I don't think we're wrong. And, and so, so when I see how many people misunderstand it and how many people are, are throwing FUD or believe in the energy, uh, believe in climate can be solved from an inflationary monetary policy. <laughs> just makes you scratch your head. Um, but, uh, um, but so when I see all of that happening and it's still holding in here where the price is, um, and, and it being anti-fragile, it's, it's hard not to get a, it's hard not to, hard to think of where this goes afterwards. Now, I am not in it. For the money that I'm to make out of that, that's not. The, I'm actually in it for way bigger because I think it's. I think it's actually a requirement for humanity to survive. I, it's actually that big to me because I don't want my kids growing up in a centralized uh, in a centralized uh, in a world where very few people own everything with artificial intelligence and robotics because that's the choice. That's a, the, uh, the, the and and I believe that if Bitcoin doesn't do this, if a Bitcoin isn't that, then that's the world they're going to grow up in. And so um, it's a good thing, I believe, that Bitcoin is going to, to grow like this. And, and I look through historical examples, and I've never seen a technology that empowers, humanity, empowers individual rights and freedoms in humanity that has been stopped by government, ever. It's, it's, I understand why sometimes they want to try to stop it, stop it. But if you look at that type of technology, decentralized technology that, that does what we're talking about, how could that actually be stopped? And, and, and number two, if I go a little deeper in that, if people knew what they were doing in trying to stop it, I don't think they do. But if they actually did the math on what it looks like after their life is over and maybe their kids life, they would want not want to stop this technology. Isn't that powerful? That is so powerful. If people really knew what they were trying to stop, they wouldn't try and stop it. But most people just choose not to learn, not to understand it. Um, and I just find that absolutely mind blowing because it, when I listen to people like Jeff Booth, Greg Foss, and all these big, you know, these people that really get this, you know, Preston Pitch, uh, Michael Saylor, you know, it, it just tells me that I'm in the right place at the right time. And I don't need to understand it like they do. I just, I don't say I hang off their every word. They help me 
to keep my strong Bitcoin hand, even though I don't need the help to build the strong hand. You know, just watching that, um, the, you know, why are we bullish on a Friday night? BTC sessions, absolutely superb, people. I would highly recommend on a Friday night or a Saturday or a Sunday, whenever you on catch up, you watch it. Absolutely superb. The guests are out extraordinary. They're all really, you know, good people in this space. And it really reinstills your belief that we are in the right place at the right time doing the right things, which is absolutely incredible. And, you know, that's why I feel so excited, to be honest with you. Now, the final clip is a bit of a longer one. But here's the thing. We keep talking about Bitcoin and we've got to do that. But ultimately, as time evolves, people won't join with Bitcoin. They'll join because of the Lightning Network. And Lightning is gathering momentum. And if you're new to all of this, Bitcoin is the base layer. Okay, and then Lightning is a layer on top where we move um, small amounts of Bitcoin around really, really cheaply. And there's loads of Lightning uh, wallets and apps out there now. There wasn't many a couple of years ago. Again, BT Sessions has done um, several videos on different Lightning wallets. I particularly love the Moon wallet, M-U-U-N wallet, because it's uh, non-custodial. Uh, which is really good. Um, but play around with lightning wallets and just move a few pennies around. But here's the thing. <clears throat> we heard about Jack Mallers down in El Salvador, okay, and how he is changing what's going on down there. But rather than me try and explain that to you, I want you to listen to a young lad that was 17 when he discovered Bitcoin. He's 27 right now. And I have never seen a more bullish individual on where lightning is going than Jack Mallers. He was recently on the What Bitcoin Did Peter McCormack podcast. And I would again, I would encourage you to subscribe to What Bitcoin Did. Um, Peter McCormack has really sort of come over and is pretty well focusing on Bitcoin now. Um, he's interviewed um, the President Bukele out from El Salvador while he was out there. He's had some great names on and he recently had Jack Mallers on talking about his business called Strike. And I want to run this. Uh, excuse the bleeps. Jack was effing and blinding a little bit. So I had to put some bleeps in there because I like to try and keep it a clean family show. Uh, but this one's a little bit longer, people. So soak it up. Enjoy it. And if you do enjoy it, go and find what Bitcoin did and listen to the full interview because it was mind blowing. Here we go. I want to have it here in the UK. I need it because I want to be able to send money back and forth across to my friends over in uh, El Salvador. Uh, I want to be able to send them some dollars as well as some Bitcoin. But I also want to talk a little bit more about the future of Strike. Like there's a lot been going on. You've made a couple of announcements since I've seen you last. You're Because to me, Strike was an app to send pounds and dollars to each other, to send money abroad. But, but you're also a Bitcoin company. You've added in Bitcoin buying. You came out there pretty bold, pretty hardcore blog post talking about adding in essentially zero fee Bitcoin buying. Talk to me about your strategy there, what what you're adding in to strike, what that meant, what your attitude was, because it was a pretty bold and typical Jack Manners you uh, blog post. Yeah, I love it. I live for this. Um, okay, so the announcement is that we're going to let you buy Bitcoin just like you can at Coinbase or Cash App or Kraken, um, but we're not going to charge anything outside of the cost it takes us to execute, which is most traditionally just the market spread. Uh, and so right now, as of talking, 
that's just around or below 30 basis points, so 0.3%. And if things go according to plan, and just generally speaking, the way the terms go, as we scale our numbers and as more people use it, and we onboard people off the wait list and we make it public, then that drives itself to very close to zero, well below 0.1%. And the reason that that's this shot heard around the world is traditionally buying Bitcoin for a retail investor can be on Coinbase upwards of 4%. Do you hear that? 4% against 0.3%? Wow, this is a big deal. Let's continue. So you're talking about you know fees that are, and it's a, it's a sharp, sharp decline. Um, but the meaning behind it carries a ton more depth. <laughs> and and I, I feel like I'm playing chess versus you know people that think they're playing bingo. Um, here's the meaning. Uh, in the first quarter, Coinbase had $1.8 billion worth of revenue. Uh, 94% of that was charging fees to acquire digital assets. And, you know, sure, they have a million digital assets, but it was almost all Bitcoin, right? And so the 4%, 3.9%, 2.9% they're charging users uh, is their entire business. That's the point I'm trying to make, is without it, they wouldn't have a functional business. Okay, I want to stop it there. So Coinbase. Why do we keep saying get off Coinbase? I mean, I've moved away now. I'm using Kraken, but I cannot wait for Strike to come in to get to the UK. I just really can't. I am chomping at the bit. What did he say? Coinbase, the first quarter of 2021, 1.8 billion in revenue and 94% of that was the fees to buy digital assets. 94%. So what he's saying is, 4% charging users is their business. And without those charges, Coinbase don't have a business. Now, as he goes on through this interview, I've got a, there's a few bleeps coming up, but listen to what he says about how he's calling out Brian um, Armstrong from Coinbase and how Coinbase completely screwed up and missed this. I think it's absolutely awesome and it excites me every and i've been listening to this several times in preparation for this show over and over looking at the bullet points and it just blows my mind every single time let's continue by the way barefoot barry uh welcome to you sir i did play your granddaughter's video at the very very start of the show barry let's get on with this yes okay now to understand markets open markets selling open source money Uh, But generally, looking at the equities market before Bitcoin existed, it's a race to the bottom, okay? You cannot have a defensible business that charges 4% because someone's going to come along and charge 3.9%. And the next guy's going to come along and charge 3.8%. And you saw this in the equities market. Now executing an equity trade is free. That's called Robinhood, okay? And so those that thought they were building a defensible business by charging 4% to buy equities now – don't they aren't in business and robin hood is where everyone goes to buy and so anyone with a brain cell knows that okay and so you started to see that you started to see cash app come in and they didn't charge 2.9% they charged 2.5ish venmo came in charged 2.45ish swan bitcoin comes in charges a little less river financial comes in charges a little less and you're starting to see the free market work itself out but instead of me coming in and charging a little less, I went straight to zero. And I want to explain this point. And I'm sorry. I know I ran. It's going to be long-winded. Do it, man. But I think it's it. really important. So why did I go straight to zero? Be like, Jack, you know, people are going to buy on strike. You should charge 10 basis points. You should charge 50 basis points. It'll still be cheaper than Coinbase. It'll be cheaper than Cash App. You can make some money. No. This is a chess move. This is a point I want to make flagrantly to the Brian Armstrongs of the world. 
Sorry if you knew. Brian Armstrong is the CEO of Coinbase. Peter, the biggest companies on the planet are open network companies. Okay. What that means, Facebook, Twitter, Google, what do these companies have in common? Their open network is the internet. They operate on an open network that's ultimately inclusive to all, and all it requires is a simple connection, and they have access to their products. That allows these companies to have the biggest target audience in the world, which is the entire planet, which is the global population. So the reason Facebook can be so big is because everyone on the planet, in theory, can have a Facebook account, and now almost everyone does. I think Facebook's user growth is into the billions, right? Yep. Same with Twitter. Same with Google. If you look at the worth of one individual user on a Facebook, it's not worth the same as a PayPal or a Cash App or a Chase Bank. No, but they have more of them because they're an open network company. Open network companies have a target audience of 8 billion people, and that is an inherent property that makes them unbelievable. That's why there's this giant sweep of internet companies because you can build one product that can be used by 8 billion people, never seen before the internet, ever Okay. Now, the problem that these open network companies have is that they don't have a native business model. Mark Zuckerberg appears in front of Congress two times a quarter. Everyone hates the guy. Facebook's brand is terrible. Twitter's brand is terrible. Google's brand is terrible. Why? Because the only business model they've been able to manufacture comes at the cost of the relationship they have with their user i.e. they sell all their users' data and they use their users instead of serving their users. Their user is the product. They have to sell private data. They have to go against their privacy policy. They have to constantly apologize. They have a terrible brand and it's limited the company's upside. It's limited their ability to grow. And what you're now seeing with Twitter Spaces and Twitter Tip Jar or Facebook getting into cryptocurrency or now Google is they're trying to fix that. They're trying to reestablish the brand and the long-term viability of their business and unwind the fact that their very user is who they abuse to make money, okay? Now, if you take a cash app, for example, they have the opposite problem. They have a great brand, so good that rappers rap about them and wear their clothes. The reason they're not bigger than Facebook is because their target audience is a very select group in the U.S., and in order to reach 8 billion people, it's infeasible to scale the square monetary network that big, okay? So I say all that to say, here's a high-level view of how these bigger companies operate. And if I'm like this you know, macro trading analyst, I'm giving everyone uh, free advice, right? So that's how to think about it. Now, let's look at Strike. This is why I think Strike will be one of the biggest companies on planet Earth. And it's not because I'm super cool or CTO is super smart, although both of those are true. I'm like the coolest where <laughs> everyone knows that. But the reason is because we are an open network company too. What's our open network? Bitcoin and Lightning. And that I could build a product that could be used by all 8 billion people. Yeah, it may take me 12 to 24 months. That's not a lot of time, <laughs> right? Strike's already growing incredibly fast. And so I am an open network company, similar to a Facebook, similar to a Google, similar to a Twitter, where I can build a product accessible by 8 billion people. However, I am a financial services firm. I know how I'm going to make money. I don't have to sell years of data. I don't, have to, I don't ever plan on appearing before Congress. I don't ever plan on surfing with an American flag on the 4th of July like Zuckerberg and becoming the most hated man on the planet, right? 
I actually think Strike will become one of the more powerful consumer brands on the planet because we have the business acumen and profile of a financial services firm like a cash app. And we could build a brand that's tremendously powerful in line and incentivized with our users. But we are an open network business like an internet company. And we have access to all 8 billion people. So all that to say, Bitcoin enables companies to be that disruptive and be that big. The biggest companies in the world in five to 10 years will be Bitcoin companies. Do you hear that, people? The biggest companies in the world. I'm not saying, you know, live off his every word and is he right? But if you've got a bit of vision, you can start to see how as this thing gains momentum, ignore the short-term price. If this thing catches fire as it already is, you're going to have these companies that everyone laughs at. You're going to have regular retail people that look like the, 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 the man next door all of a sudden be some of the richest men on the planet, some of the biggest companies on the planet, because most people are choosing to ignore this. I had a conversation with my uh, brother earlier on today and his daughter is stocking up on Dogecoin. And I'm going, oh, for goodness sake. And it's like, I'm flogging a dead horse. You can't get them to change their mind. They're going to do what they're going to do. And when you try to give them the reasons behind it, they just think, well, you're bound to say that because you like Bitcoin better than Doge. It's like, oh, my Lord. Carry on, Jack. Because there'll be open network, internet-like companies, but financial services firms who make a ton of money because the value of a single user is known and how to make money on them is known and it's incentivized. The biggest retailer in the world is using Strikes API to process payments and we charge them 10 basis points compared to Visa charging them 300. We're making money. They're saving money. Our users are getting more rewards and having a better experience. Everyone wins. Everyone wins. Now, all this long rant to say, Brian Armstrong whiffed. He f***ed this up big time. He just missed it. He missed this opportunity. And it shows a very fundamental lack of understanding of why Bitcoin's important, how Bitcoin was going to scale, how the Lightning Network works, why it's the best monetary network on the planet, why it's going to usher in this disruption, and how the ultimate scalable business model of a financial Bitcoin company is charging the biggest retail in the world 10 basis points versus Visa's 300. And that you cannot charge and live on 4% for retail to buy Bitcoin because it's a race to the bottom and it's going to go to zero anyway. And buying Bitcoin on an app is a feature. It's not a business. It's a competitive market. It's a race to the bottom. And you saw that in the equities market. And so what Brian Armstrong somehow did to his own fault and that's why I'm calling him out is he tried to replicate the equities market. He found his business advantage as I'm a first mover. I was here first. I have the most licenses. And sure, Jack, you can sell Bitcoin, but I sell Algorand coin and pink coin and left sock coin and barbecue chicken coin. And so you can never compete with me because I've built this regulatory moat and this first mover advantage. And what he's done is he's built a proxy long positions on altcoins, which make no sense. Right. And he's replicated the equities market. And he doesn't understand everything that I'm saying. And when I, when I what I'm doing, obviously, I'm building a great experience. Obviously, I think the best financial experience, you should be able to acquire Bitcoin in many ways for as cheap as possible. But more so what I'm doing by expediting this race to the bottom to zero. Maybe Brian Armstrong thought he had three to five years to figure this out. Well, guess what, dude? You got three to five weeks and you're f And I, I'm, it's like the big short. I'm calling you out. So now... I'm building a leverage long position on Bitcoin being the true innovation in cryptocurrency, that digital scarcity, scarcity does have value. 
and that altcoins are implied unintended inflation to the asset class. And that if you have one million monetary networks that aren't interoperable with each other, all you've done is recreate an inefficient monetary network system that we already have today and it doesn't develop any innovation. I'm making a bet that Bitcoin and Lightning are the innovation and they are going to last. All coins are going to die and that my business model of using an efficient, better monetary network and using buying Bitcoin for free as an acquisition is going to margin call you. And I'm pawn to E4, your move, because I think you up. I think you recreated an equities brokerage and you didn't learn anything from the past and you didn't take the time to understand Bitcoin. And the same brand that Mark Zuckerberg has that's so tarnished, now you have. Bitcoin core developers hate you. Bitcoiners hate you. You have to act against the best interest of those that very built this industry by listing coins and going against everything that we always say and all the forks that we're going to break this industry, you have to support because the fundamental flaw in which you built your business on and you f***ed up and it's been long enough and I'm sick of it. And I finally got old enough and in my mid to late 20s to build my own company and call your bluff. I'm not sure I follow that up, Jack. <laughs> Dude, you called him out in our first interview. We did in Boston. What was it? Three years ago, two years ago, you called him out then. Yeah, I was like a teenager. Now. I'm you old were, enough. Dude. Dude, do you I talk? figured it out and now I have a product and a brand and I'm doing it the right way. You know, strikes fun fundamentals. How can we do the IndyCar thing? Why is that a good business move? It's because I'm building a brand. No wonder Saquon Barkley calls me when he needs advice. No wonder a president calls me when they need advice because I have the leverage to act in the best interest of Bitcoin or else, frankly, I would shut strike down if I ever f that up. I'm a so Bitcoiner gonna, before anything else. So you're gonna not. Kill, you're gonna kill PayPal, Coinbase, Western Union. You're gonna crush them all. I mean, listen, like I'm a competitive guy, like you said on the basketball court. So I'm always looking to win, no matter what I do. But I think I'm building the biggest company on the planet. I think, but I think it's in our DNA. I think all of these Bitcoin companies will eventually be this big. It's it's like Bitcoin internet companies enabled this new massive uprise in business because of the open network property. The one flaw it had is none of these companies have an inherent business model. Bitcoin companies get to retain the open network property, but get the business models of financial services firms. And in theory, if the more people understand this, the more companies will be built, the more people will build financial services firms on top of lightning, as opposed to building their own monetary network, the world will be efficient, the world will evolve, disruption will happen. This is how humanity works and like why human beings are different than other species. And I think I, I like I think strike is is in a great spot. And I'm very confident about that clearly. And I'm willing to bet on myself over and over and over again. Man, well, I don't know about you people, but I've seen these videos over and over and over. And to me, that just blew my mind yet again. This guy has got such vision. Now, he's probably got some rocky roads ahead. We get that. But, you know, these massive companies had to have started somewhere. You know, if you've ever seen the, the, the social network about Facebook, you see where Zuckerberg started his business, how he nicked the idea from the Winklevoy, um, etc. Um, but he had a vision of what he wanted to achieve. And here we are in 2021. And Jack Mallers clearly has a vision of what he wants to achieve. He wants to beat up on the PayPal's and the Venmo's and, you know, all those um, 
other I've lost Western Union and the others and you know way to go Jack I really hope he does it he'll make a better world a fairer world so that everybody can can compete so um, I'm hoping that that type of show you thought was okay I'm very happy if you all put in the chat rubbish go back to what you've done before I'll do that but I just wanted to try something different so that you're not listening to me bleat on because you see I heard what Jack Mallers had to say through that interview with Peter McCormack but could I ever get that out of my head and out of my mouth to talk to you guys about it no I couldn't I'm just a regular guy so that really helped me to get some of you that haven't subscribed to these podcasts to subscribe to these podcasts because it is that that will help you build your repertoire and keep your strong mega bitcoin hand if and only if that 50% correction that there, you know, the rumors are about did happen. You'll know that everything's going on. Everything's still OK. Um, I did hear there's talk that grayscales, um, these these um, these shares they've got or whatever they are, are starting to be given out. And a lot of pit companies are going to buy those instead of Bitcoin on chain. Then it might take the price down. Look, it's only rumor. I mean, that's actually happening, but none of us can predict the future. I just wanted to try something different. So I'd be really, really interested in your feedback, people, good or bad, as to whether, you know, two or three clips that we talk about might be a useful way to do a show for you all. So as always, you know me in quotes. I want leave you with this quote. I've used it before. I think it's brilliant. It's not the strongest of the species that survive, nor the most intelligent. I'm not the most intelligent, but the one most responsive to change. All you have to do is get a gut instinct, get in the rabbit hole and learn at your own pace, people. And I'm telling you, you won't go wrong. I absolutely believe, as Jeff uh, Booth has said, as Preston Pish has said, Michael Saylor has said, that Bitcoin is the best asymmetric bet you can ever bet on with a 99.9% upside and maybe a 0.01 of a downside. So, everything's to the upside over time and maybe it'll take 10 20 years to play out <coughs> all i know is without financial advice the only thing i can say to anybody is for goodness sake get hold of some bitcoin people build that strong bitcoin hand get it off that exchange onto a hardware device of your choosing i love the Trezor. I think it's superb. I'm enjoying the new Trezor suite as well. Really fantastic job that Trezor have done uh, on that. So that is me done uh, Monday the 19th of July. Have a great week, people, whatever you're doing. Please leave a comment when the show's over, good or bad. Um, I thought it worked quite well. I can maybe, you know, shave one uh, topic off so that it goes to 30 minutes or so going forward. But I was just playing around on this one to see if if I felt the format worked, if you guys felt the format could work, because it allows me to deliver you content from a greater understanding, not through my mouth, but through the mouth of some of these really top people. Uh, SciFlyer67, great to see you in the house. Uh, Matty3623, hi. Um, I think I've said hello to everyone. That is the show over, people. I'll be back on Thursday, as always, 6pm London. For now, I'll leave you with my social media links. Have a great week, whatever you're doing, and I'll catch you all on Thursday. Cheers, everyone.